1: Mornings with Sharp and Hanley. Halfway through, we're almost to the weekend, everybody. I hear they're proposing, there might be a couple of uh, school districts in Nebraska they are going to have four-day school weeks. What? Uh, well, OPS is not in school today, and I don't think a lot of schools are in session on Monday because of President's Day.
2: Did you ever get President's Day off, by the way? No. I didn't either. It what was the, hit what or the, miss. What the hell? Really? So you guys every now and then did? Every now and then. Really?
0: But now Never they have got what do you it mean? All?
1: Depending, like, if your superintendent liked the president in the White House, <laughs> uh, that's what I, n- n-
0: Now that I'm older, I think that's what it was tied to. I do not support this. I, do, I do not support this
2: president. So out. we are not observing Washington's birthday. I'm trying to
0: think no. when I was in school, no. who was no. in the White House, and uh, yeah, man, maybe check. Was it out. your superintendent woke? He's not before my woke president. Thing? <laughs> no, I think it was the reverse. Maybe. <laughs> See, Bush was president when I actually technically Reagan was when I started kindergarten, but then it was Bush. And then somewhere around the transition from Bush to Clinton, I think it changed.
2: So when you make that announcement, you know how the superintendents put out the announcement of like school days, and it's it's becoming a thing now. Like they get really creative with it. If you let them know that uh, we are going to have school on Monday, do you like hashtag it? Not my president. Is that is that what happens then? I mean, That's so weird.
1: I don't know. So maybe if you're a Democrat, when a Democrats are right, in the White yeah. House, you get the yeah. President's Day off. If
0: not, you got to yeah. go to yeah. school or yeah. what? Kids don't know the difference. Superintendents
2: either for the GOP or for
0: the for the Dems. Of course, now they have like 30 work days. <laughs> Who, the president? No, no, no the okay. schools. Like we, we, They're wh- still underpaid, Jimmy. One, one of my jobs yeah. that w- we were tied to the schools and when they were off and when they had school, you got to a stretch between January and spring break where you had three and four day weeks every week.
2: Four day weeks, though.
0: I'm like, you kids are lucky. We never have. This,
2: this is where I, I will. I, I always we try to always resist had to being go to school, the yeah. get off my lawn, old man guy. This is where I'd be like, boy, you kids have it easy. Back when I went to school.
1: Uh, the general consensus from all of you about Caitlin Clark is let it rip.
0: Wow. Okay, I'm looking forward to seeing.
2: I cannot wait till we get the email that is blaming us for encouraging classless behavior at a women's basketball game. Are you
1: supposed to? As long as you don't cross the line, right? Aren't you? You bought a ticket. You're trying to create a home court advantage. That's part of it. Even though you can't slip on the uniform, you're trying to help your team. Yep. So in your mind, you're trying to do everything possible. As long as you don't cross the line. I
2: fully support it. People's, I fully support it, but people. I know someone will accuse us oh, of geez. encouraging get, unruly behavior at Pinnacle Bank here. Arena tomorrow. Get out
1: of here. Don't 1 o'clock it. tomorrow. I mean, it's already going to be tough enough for Nebraska women. They play Iowa. was yeah. really, really good. Iowa might be in the Final Four. Let her rip. But just go. You're going to buy a ticket. You're going to watch her play. I mean, that that's what she has done. Yeah. She is so good that she's helped grow the game, and she's the one person where you go, oh, yeah. See, it's the, it's the difference. Yep. You're, you might be buying a ticket because now you want to go watch Tomanaga play because you've given up on Nebraska basketball. You're like, yeah. you're telling me Hoiberg's going to be back for his fifth year? Has he earned it? But, man, Tomanaga, I'm there. Mm-hmm. Ride or die, Freddie. I'm there with you on Sunday at uh, 4 o'clock. All right, Mike is going to join us, bottom of the uh, hour. He put in a crystal ball for Dylan Riola. Can I ask this without getting trampled? If you watch film of Dylan Riola. Does he look like a five star quarterback? Just, just you, uh, you don't have to answer that. I, I think that's a valid, fair question. Like from the neck up? Well, no, just watch watch what you think oh, of okay. like five star quarterbacks. Okay. There's the Jimmy Clausens, there's the Vince Young's. Yeah. Just I <laughs> sorry. Because Jimmy he's, if he says yes to Nebraska, it changes the whole equation. Yeah. Completely changes the whole equation. But are we overlooking the part of the play on the field has got to be greater than the impact of the commitment? 100%. Uh, maybe, maybe I should get into that with uh, Shafe when he okay. joins bottom of the out. Chris Crutchfield, Matt Verzal as well. We'll hop on uh, with us on this uh, Friday edition of Mornings with Sharp and Hanley. Tiger Woods played yesterday. Oh, my gosh. Finished strong. Tiger, mm-hmm. Tiger's back. Mm-hmm. Tiger's back. Finished. As, as he got ready on the first hole, and he birdied the first hole. Yep. All the phones were out. Did you see what Tiger did on his last three holes yesterday? Yeah. Birdie, birdie, birdie. He shot a two under sixty nine. And gorgeous, nice.
2: gorgeous wedge shots.
1: He, gorgeous from one fifty behind
2: the lead. One fifty out Speed on eighteen. Stalk it. Back. The big cat had a big smile on his face. You know why he played well too? He had his boys. Jt had roars. Those guys, you know when you you get paired up with think about it when you just play your your regular round, you're you know, you're with friends, you're loose. I guarantee you there was some there was a lot of side action going on too. Did you hear uh well, what Tiger handed JT? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> and then uh Paige Spiranac who uh, had a, a good uh suggestion that they need to get a live versus PGA Ryder Cup uh, type format, and so Tiger could then hand Phil that that he handed JT when Tiger out drives Phil, which again...
0: NFL versus AFL. Would
2: be all for it. It's uh, a watched, great suggestion I by I you guys Brown. I
1: would watch. I watched, and I was I, I was encouraged. Uh, ESPN Plus Golf coverage is the wave of the future, yep. where you can pick your love it. threesome. I've been doing that for two years now. It is fantastic. I love it. Uh, question here in the Equitable Bank Inbox from uh, Chris uh, with this also being the opening day of college baseball, this is I'll i will put this towards you. Okay. <laughs> like, is that the question? Oh, yes, it that is. It is was, opening that was, day of hey, college baseball. that was quite the, the pregnant pause there. They always teach you that early in Radio 101. <laughs> yeah, well,
2: that's why I thought, I'm Like, is the question, is today the opening weekend of college baseball? Because the they always say yes. that,
1: That's why Dr. Laura was effective. Because she would build it up, and then she would do the pregnant pause. The pregnant pause. Yes. Uh, Whatever happened to the Christo kid? Well, his name is Drew. Uh, His dad, did I see his dad last night? His dad has got season tickets to Omaha men's basketball. Uh, Former Nebraska quarterback, Monty, sits on the baseline. Mm -hmm. I didn't see him there last night, but he's usually at every Omaha game. Probably in San Diego. Uh, His son is named Drew. Uh, That's a good point (laughs) because Drew's going to be back. He was supposed to be a huge get for Nebraska.
2: Why isn't he being talked about, Nick? Um, He really struggled last year. They've got a lot of arms. He, the good news is, and if you listen to our interview with Lance Arvell, I was, I was by the way, waiting for the little follow-up question when he was going through the staff mm-hmm. about Drew Christo. But then he mentioned Drew Christo as hoping that he would have a bounce back, be a factor into that bullpen, and also with a lot of key midweeks. And I know that was what they were hoping Drew Christo's role could be last year. He struggled. Look, and it, that happens a lot to freshmen. It happens to the majority of freshmen when you are as highly touted as Drew Cristo was. But his fastball location, it wasn't fooling anybody. So it's not Drew Cristo having to improve his velocity or his stuff as a college pitcher. He's got to turn out to be a college pitcher. He has to have count leverage. He's got to work with all of that. He didn't have that last year. But does that mean it's not going to find it? Hell no. Were you surprised they they shut him down, not not shut him down due
1: to injury, but they shut down his appearances yeah. pretty quick because he only pitched, what, five and a third innings last mm-hmm. year? He had those two midweek starts. Against UNO. And then they shut him down. Now, he was better in the Northwoods League this summer. Yep. And I know Will said that he had a really good fall, and he's going to pitch this weekend. Mm-hmm. That might be from Olsen to Kaminska and then you throw in Caleb Clark, the talented freshman who's going to be the Sunday guy, or at least you hope he grabs that Sunday goal. Right. Of the guys that are going to throw in the four-game set against San Diego, Drew Christo might be the one that we're looking at the most, even ahead of a Kyle Perry yeah. who's now in the bullpen who's coming back from another arm injury. Yeah. I think Drew Christo, everybody's going to be anticipating what's that going to look like when he goes out to the mound because here's a guy that, as we followed in high school, again, I, I think he could play Division One football.
2: Mm-hmm. Oh, he's a but, big dude. But, yeah, I
1: mean, he, he's what six four, about two thirty. Yeah, he's and there was he's filled out, and I, even I did. I, I heaped a lot on him mm-hmm. starting oh, in Nebraska, and then he got the first fall in Lincoln. I mean, he got woken up. I mean, they're playing fall ball, and guys are are rocketing four hundred and thirty foot home runs right. off of him. He will be the guy that I want to watch the most this weekend.
2: And this is this is what we see with. I mean, name the sport. Do You see this with players where it maybe comes a little bit easier for them during their prep. Years where they're just better than everybody. And you kind of saw this a little bit his senior year where he was a little more hittable because he started talking about pitch height. And, and I give a lot of credit to high school baseball in this area. You know, there was a time that you could throw a 90 plus fastball and it didn't even matter where you located; If it was somewhere in the zone, you were going to get guys out. Hitters have evolved in the sport and in the high school product. And so you leave that thing up a little bit out, Guys can extend a little bit. And so this is where I think this is Jeff Christie's doing uh, in his task of getting him to be. And I know this sounds very cliche of being a college pitcher, but what I mean by that location, 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 first pitch, strike, first pitch, strike, first pitch, strike, first pitch, strike, count, leverage, playing the percentages, all of that stuff. This is where you do have to hit spots because everybody, whether it's the big 10 or the non-conference teams are going to play everybody, can hit a 95-mile-an-hour fastball. It's the location of it. It's what you complement it with. And it's, again, that sort of adjustment from going from one level to the next. And I think all of those things were working against Drew Cristo last year. The, just think about it. And anything you do in life where you are so confident, it just comes easy to you. And then all of a sudden, you get to a level where it's not coming as easy. And you got to kind of find it. You got to sort of readjust how you go about doing it. That's what Drew Christo's going through. So mm-hmm. to think that, oh my gosh, what a bust! Uh, this kid was overhyped. No, I-, I wouldn't say that. This is a process, and you see it a lot with pitchers. There are some guys that can come today on day one in the spring, and they just dazzle. Okay, it happens in college baseball. You'll see it, but it's not the norm. The norm is kind of what Drew Christo's going through, and so yeah, I'll, I'll defend him right now because I think. There is too much stuff there to just say, yep, sorry, he got lit up last year as a freshman. No, he was learning how to try to be a college pitcher as a freshman. The question is, what did he learn? Can he take what he learned? And I'm glad you brought up the summer as well. Can he apply all of that under the leadership and guidance of Jeff Christie, who I think behind the scenes last year with how Mm -hmm. just bandaged up that rotation was, did some really good things with that staff.
1: I'll be looking for this weekend to see what his velo is on his fastball because – he was about 89 to 91, and, and that's, that's not good? That's when you start overthinking it. But he needs a second and a third pitch. Mm-hmm. 100%. And if he can get that and he's headstrong, then he's yep. back to everything we thought. I mean, yep. he's, he's too much of a competitor to go, oh, woe is me, this isn't. No. right. So uh, uh, he's the number one guy that I'm uh, watching this weekend. All eight ten, uh, Mike Schaefer at the bottom of the hour, Chris Crutchfield, Matt Verzal. Going to join us as well. Uh, In the baseball world yesterday, Tim McCarver passed away at the age of 81. Uh, Now, there are a lot of tributes to him on the baseball field. The guy played over four decades. He was the personal catcher for the likes of Bob Gibson and Steve Carlton. Not bad. I mean, mean, Bob Gibson's amazing performance in the World Series in 68, Tim McCarver was there. Uh, Bob, uh, when he was with us, was so gracious in his limited interviews when he talked about Tim McCarver. I mean, it was pretty nuts and bolts. Tim McCarver would try and come out to the mound like when he was a young catcher mm-hmm. and try and tell Bob what to do, and Bob would tell him to get back behind the plate. Yeah. But they had a love-hate relationship, and then after they were both done with baseball, I mean, they loved each other, and it was great to hear those two together in an interview. But Tim McCarver was the personal catcher of Bob Gibson. And people not might not remember much about Tim McCarver's playing career. And it wasn't super memorable, even though it was lengthy and you know, in terms of wins, successful. People remember him as the first guy in the booth as an analyst in baseball. You know, networks don't want baseball now, okay? ABC doesn't want baseball. CBS doesn't want baseball. NBC doesn't want baseball, Mm -hmm. okay? They don't. They just don't. Fox barely wants it. But when it was on network, when there was Jack Buck or Joe Buck and Tim McCarver was there, it had the feel of a big game. Now, of all the tributes that are out there about Tim McCarver's work in the booth, I got to be honest, I was not a fan. I thought he talked way too much. Yeah, I thought he talked down to me. I think I know the game of baseball. I thought Tim McCarver, who who definitely has a love for the game, yeah, he talked down to me, trying to explain what was going on. That's a fair criticism. For, and yeah. I probably, I probably have the same relationship with a Tim McCarver that a lot of people that have played the game of football or know football well have with a guy like Tony Romo. Yep. But when McCarver was in the booth. It was a big deal, and he had a passion for the game, and he also had the great performance in basketball. Oh. But I, <laughs> I did think that he talked way too much. He did, just <laughs> way too much. But in the eighties, he was the thing, and he also hosted the Olympics. Yeah, on yep. CBS. Yep. I mean, he might he might be a better host of the Olympics when CBS had it than Jim Nance. Mm-hmm. But he passed away at the age of eighty one. There's Moments that he's remembered for. Maybe he taught you the game. Maybe he he probably taught a lot of people the game of baseball. Because he also was one of those foreshadowing guys. Yeah. He would tell you what's gonna happen before it happened, kind of like when Romo first got started. Um he's he's kind of known for that. And he was very opinionated. And he also has the incident with Deion Sanders in the in the clubhouse. When Deion <laughs> tracked well. him down and yeah. oh, don't. Yeah. A yeah, bucket you're full a real man, arm.
2: Dion. You're a real yeah. man. Yeah, the base uh, Thank you for bringing that up, by the way.
1: But there's a part of like the Tim McCarver and you know, I mean we've we've lost Billy Packer. Yeah, we've lost Tim McCarver. We've lost John Madden. We also have changed in how, in my opinion, our sports because those three guys that I mentioned, and 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 there is a shelf life to the analyst. Like, we got tired of Billy Packer. Yep. We're getting tired of Tony Romo. Mm-hmm. Really, the only one I can remember that we never really got tired of was John Madden. Right. No. But we got tired of McCarver. But it also was a sign back then where the analyst was bigger than the play-by-play guy. Mm-hmm. Do you guys think that we have changed in our sports television, in our big games, and our big announcing crews? that now the play-by-play person is bigger than the analyst because CBS made it back in the 80s that the analyst was the show, Mm -hmm. whether it be Billy Packer on college basketball, John Madden ahead of Pat Summerall, or Tim McCarver in the booth with Jack Buck.
0: Have we shifted that the play-by-play person is bigger than the analyst? Even on CBS's Um, NBA coverage, I mean, Hubie Brown was kind of the deal over Dick Stockton. Tommy Heinsohn. I mean I
2: I, th- I think there are examples of it I don't know if I would go all in across the board on that but I think there are examples the the one that I, I'm always going to go back to and, and some of you may not even know what I'm talking about because hockey's a niche sport but Doc Emmerich is is always the guy yeah. does anybody oh, even realize absolutely. who he's doing the games with it's 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 doc I know? miss I mean doc. It, it, right, I mean, he is. Yeah, Doc the, and Eddie were together forever. And yeah, Bill Clement. Yeah, yeah. He, like he is the voice. John of, Davidson before him. Yeah. So and then when I think of like Major League Baseball, and and maybe baseball for me and and you too Sharpie because you're a huge baseball fan as well and you know it. I probably do dig in more to the analysts than the play by play guy because I, 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 and that's the thing about McCarver that I always, I'm kind of conflicted on when I think about him because I think it's a fair criticism about maybe sort of feeling talked down to when I kind of compare him to a guy that I truly do value who also tries to teach you the game when in broadcasting Steve Stone. Right. I think Steve Stone yeah. also will try to teach you, but he does it in a way that's a little bit more inviting. It's not like, well, I know more than you, but it's more of, hey, and he even says like you know hey kids out there you know so i, I always find myself drawn to the analyst regardless of who the play by play guy is like i am a huge i'm a huge Dan Schulman fan for some yeah. reason i feel like he's one of the more underrated like former ESPN voices that covered major league I, baseball i wish he still was but you know, yeah I, Blue Jays. I i love schulman but i do think there are still sports and i think baseball still has that where I'm still a little bit more drawn to the analyst as opposed to the play-by-play guy. But in football, you see a lot of those moves being made to sort of gear around the play-by-play guy. So I see what you're saying, and I think there are examples of that. I just don't know if it's across the board right now.
1: It was amazing. Back in the 80s that CBS had those three, and they were the biggest things. Mm-hmm. Even though they were working alongside Hall of Famers.
2: Yeah. Jack Buck, Pat Summerall. You know where you could say that and uh, we were just talking about golf? Jim Nance. Golf is definitely one of those examples where it's the play-by-play guy. Yes. It's the voice. Because you can get any former player, whether he has a, an American or English accent, and you probably don't know who it is. But you know if it's, hello, friends. What? Like, you know yeah, that. Yeah. And, you, and that that's going to get you more than what this guy is yeah. telling you about what shot to anticipate here. By the way, it's going to take a while to get used to Trevor at, uh, in, yeah. next to uh, Nance. Uh, I wasn't a
1: Faldo fan, though. See, I, I kind of I like those two together. Maybe it's because I got so used to their voices, but listening to the waste management—the the first time yeah. that I
2: listen on the weekend—it's different. Golf. I give you that, but th- 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 you talk about talking down. Oh my God, the self righteousness of Nick Faldo—I had more <laughs> than enough of that. So, so we do with analysts on network television,
1: like they've run their course. Like Romo has run his course. That was a quick one, mm-hmm. and and, yeah. and and the McCarvers <laughs> really and fast. the Packers from the '80s. And some analysts in between.
2: Well, remember Joe Morgan. Yeah. There was a time where so, people kind of liked him, and then they they didn't real fast. So, John so here's the Morgan. question I have. The one guy
1: that stood the test of time and how we see analysts get overexposed, and all yeah. of a sudden we're on to the next one. Mm-hmm. Like, we're, we're done with Tony Romo, and now there's Greg Olson, yep. and we like Greg Olson. We don't. So we move pretty quick away from Tony Romo. Why did John Madden stand the test of time.
2: Because he's the only one that we didn't move off of. And because I think he was just so different about it. He wasn't your conventional analyst. He wasn't the guy that had the extremely sharp mind anticipating everything coming up or being able to, I mean, think about it, to be able to break things down in a way that you could, I mean, that he could articulate it very well. He was, I mean, he kind of stumbled over his conversation. And I do think that there was sort of a, a sort of common man feel to
0: it that's kind of my theory
2: between that and the grease board of you know the circle and everything that he could possibly circle on the replay but it it became sort of a thing it was more of a I don't know how to explain it but I think you he was more of the entertainment value and I don't want to like compare him to like what I was talking about with like Dick Vitale and and Lee Corso when they are kind of as I consider like sort of the sports broadcasting mascots where you don't put a lot of stock into what they're saying. Ambassadors. It, let's, it, it, let's, there you go. That, that's probably on probably name. a better way to put it. But John Madden, you knew he, he knew football. He didn't articulate it extremely well. Yet, I feel like there was sort of a, the, the reason he didn't ex- articulate it very well made you feel like, hey, that's more like when I try to explain stuff too. Uh, Brian says in the Equitable Bank
1: inbox, golf is the only sport where the analyst has to be more of a show than the play-by-play person i.e. Johnny Miller.
2: Yeah. Johnny Miller is... Again, I like him better than Faldo. I do like him better than Faldo. But I don't... See, I don't know if you have to be, though. I don't know if he's saying it's more of, like, the 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 player feels... The former player, that is. Feels like they have to. As opposed to the the, the former player is. Because if the former player feels like they have to, yeah, I buy that. I, I'm, I'm right there with him. But... I don't think anybody tunes in. You might hear a different voice, but as long as you got Jim Nance, you're good. It's, it's familiar. Uh, coming up in a bit, Mike Schaefer will join us. Uh, state
1: wrestling hits the mats again for uh, day number two. Uh, Millard South had a big day in Class A. Great battle in B is expected between Scott and Bennington. David City Aquinas is rolling. Broken Bow as well. You know who else who is rolling? Tyson Terry. So Tyson Terry at Omaha North wrestles mm-hmm. heavyweight. Uh, unless he misses the bus to the Chai, yeah.
2: forgets what Matt to go in, he
1: ain't Uh He could be fifty-one and zero, and he's dominates in the winter, and that's a sport that he's been very good in for a long time. And then in the fall, playing over at Omaha North, uh, man, he is in wrestling. Whoever gets him, and he's another player that. Times I saw North last year, he should be a guy that when I leave the stadium, I know that Tyson Terry played, mm. and he fought it a little bit, was better at the back end of the year, um, but I expect a bigger junior year uh, out of him. Is whoever gets him to play football and to wrestle, hello, I mean he's he's legit on the mat, like he's worth the price of admission. Yeah. Jimmy, you're talking about you want to go to the state of wrestling, find out find out in class A. Uh, you know, find your way into the building tonight for the semifinals. You can talk your way in uh, or the finals so tomorrow. Uh, watch him wrestle. I I, I watched him pin two guys yesterday. Didn't even break a sweat.
2: That was some of my favorite things in covering state wrestling is when you knew a guy was going to play football somewhere, whether it was in Nebraska or – I had this run. Oh, Garrett, hey, I'm not going to kid yourself.
1: I saw Garrett Nelson wrestle more than I saw him play football.
2: Yeah. I've, I've, well, considering where he lived too, yeah. Probably best opportunity was to see him here. But I think about two guys actually ended up going to Iowa that I had a chance when I was covering state wrestling in Columbus. Uh, Drew Ott, and watching him, and then uh, Nate Budgeda. And I remember watching Nate Budgeda, I'm like, tell me this guy couldn't have gone to Nebraska. I mean, it was it was, it was like he didn't work. Remember the, the movie Vision Quest? Shoot. Hey, good movie. It was like he didn't work up a sweat. Uh, and, and even in the championship match, I'm like, is, well, this, is this, like, even fun for you? Like, you just you sort of show up, you you get, kind of flick flick your finger, and boom. Maybe if Alabama would have offered him a scholarship, Nebraska would have paid more attention. Yeah.
1: As uh, If you missed that yesterday, Carter Nelson, the tight end from Ainsworth, Nick Saban dropped an offer. He got offered by Alabama yesterday. Hmm. <laughs> Has Nick Saban ever offered a player from the state? I don't. Michigan recall. State, LSU, or Alabama? Now, he is... Two for two over in Iowa. Yeah. But is that the, I, I, that's got to be the first time that Nick Saban has offered a Nebraska kid. Yeah, I can't think of one. And so that offer came yesterday. That right, Matt Rule. That's significant. Matt Rule, who has made Carter Nelson something of significance, it'll be a lot of fun. Mm-hmm. But here's the other thing that now I wait for, because I know how this game works, and this is probably not good leading into a recruiting guru coming up in a little bit. Carter Nelson's rating is now going to go up. Carter Nelson hadn't played a football game since the fall. Yeah, Carter Nelson's rating will go up and maybe a bump in a star. Why? Because Nick Saban. Alabama just offered him. Yep, and he should. Now he's there's a lot to like there, and I think the upside is way up there. But he'll get that bump. Mm -hmm. I I I would not be surprised if there is an extra star that is coming his way because now he's been offered by Alabama. And there's probably going to be a piggyback offer of another similar Alabama neighborhood in college football that will now make an offer that probably doesn't know much about him or hasn't really developed the relationship. But will not be outcruited by him. But they will call and they will say, hey, I know you guys have an airport where I can fly into. (laughs) Can I come visit? And then is there any way that we can golf up in that lovely part
2: of Nebraska? (laughs) It's a good place to visit when it's warmer, yeah.
1: So Schaaf, who did the crystal ball for Iola, boy, people are very cautious on not knowing what Carter Nelson is going to do. But he got an offer from Alabama uh, yesterday. The class of 24, we just went through a really good class in-state, whether they stayed in-state or not. Man, the class of 24 and 25 is shaping up pretty good Mm -hmm. around here. All right, 25 past the hour. Uh, Schaaf will join us in uh, just a little bit. As we roll till uh, 10 on a feel-good Friday edition of Mornings with Sharp and Handley on 1620 of the Zone.